Hello and welcome to episode 12 of The Late Apex. Uh, this week we are talking absolute, complete and utter bollocks. Um, and I've got Jamie and Tommy doing it with me. How are you doing, boys? Yeah, good, mate. Good. How are you, all right? I'm good, I'm good. So tell us about your weekend, Jamie. At a very wet Cadwell Park. <laughs> well, um, I, I went on the Thursday and did some... Uh, spun a few laps just trying to remember the track and perfect what I'm my abilities around the the, the circuit um, and was kind of a little bit taken back a little bit upset because I couldn't quite get the times that I was getting last year um, you thought on, you thought I bought a newer bike I'm going to yeah. be instantly faster didn't you I thought I'll fucking buy a new bike and that'll make me faster <laughs> and, and it didn't um no so come home on the friday feeling all depressed and stuff went back friday night with daniel and carson um and then did qualify on saturday morning and saturday was a brilliant day it was nice and dry it's nice um it's it went out qualifying um first um and then simon went out and then steve kind of nipped out quickly and we qualified p1 um come race the guys kind of said why didn't i start because i've done a few of the endurance starts previous and i thought I'd, I'd never started a race that far up the front before so i was a bit uneasy uh, about it i still going 5p 50p yeah yeah uh 10 pound note 5p um <laughs> do you, decide... you think it's easier to start at the front though like in that do you still do the run, run into the bike thing yeah yeah, yeah. Surely it's easier at the front than at the back, though, because you're not in, in all the carnage, no? Well, so... <laughs> but there, there, um, was, there was somebody got punted off. They looked like they started around 15th or something like that. They were about mid-pack. They ended up well, on I the pass within 20 metres, didn't they? We were... I'm not sure what happened, because we, we qualified 13th in, class, in overall. So we would have been 13th on the grid. But for some reason, we got punted down to 18th, and I'm not sure why. No one, ex- no one explained. We just got told, oh, you need to get out at 15th. So, uh, somebody so- Jamie Harris was starting, fucking get him away from me. <laughs> <laughs> tell, you, tell you what, before I started, I went over to a few of the lads and I was like, listen, boys, um, yeah, I'm starting ahead of you. Just don't ram me up the arse because you know you're better rider than me. Like, you know, take your time <laughs> with me. <laughs> I had to have a, a little, a little chat with some of the lads. Um, so, um, yeah, so anyway, the flag goes, I run across the bike, jump on it, totally forget new bike, race shift, which I've never I've never been riding with, and fucking put it straight in second gear, didn't I? So I'm like, bollocks. <sighs> so, I'm, so I'm fumbling with that. I then go to first, and I'm like, brilliant. By that point, half the grid's, like, gone. So I left, and um, I was probably about midway through. I'd, I'd probably lost a few, a few positions just getting away. And when I did... A few people had dropped behind us. I'm not sure what had gone on, but if you look, there's a there's a there's a video a little, out, yeah. There's a video out, yeah. Some some people had come off. Uh even Billy McConnell was the last guy to get away. He had a difficulty, mm. I think, starting his bike, but he was the last to get away. So it was it was one of them race and starts. Then, and then went and won it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, typical. Uh, um, so I did I did a half an hour stint, came in, and then uh, Steve, no, 
Simon did his half hour stint and then Steve did. And then I went back out. By this point, I think we were fourth P4. I think that's where you finished, didn't you, P4? No, I wish we did. Um, oh, in fact, no, no, you. So I was there. I, I was at my half an hour point. I'd seen the flag, uh, the the pit board come out telling me to come in. I put my leg out to say I am coming in because something just didn't feel. I, I was uneasy about something, and I'm not sure what it was. I, I, I could feel something, and I got round the back end of the track. I forget what um, before before the gooseneck that long right hander that goes round there, and uh, changes come straight off the rear sprocket. I had no drive, um, so I coasted out to the uh the tire wall and i looked at my rear chain and i thought if i can get that back on before the marshals get over to me and tell me get off the track i'm getting back on and i'm going uh so i was pulling at it trying to and it, it was, i couldn't do it couldn't do it so the marshals come over and um but did you just get trans- you just get a time penalty for your transponder or we did yeah I, well, I said to the i said to the marshals do i have to wait here or do i have to do anything and he said no so I just grabbed the transponder in my levers and helmet. I jumped this fucking five-foot metal fucking railing-type fence thing. Almost fell over the other side of it. And then ran across the car parking fields back to what I wanted to get back to was the was was the pits. So that, that's, got to the, that, that's a good point for anybody that is looking to get into endurance race, isn't it? If, if you do break down on the circuit or you have an off or something like that, the rest of your team can go to race control and get a second transponder and you incur a time penalty. Yeah. But if you crash where it's accessible for you to get back to the pits, then that's your time penalty getting it back. Yeah. Um, so I got, I got back to the calf and I thought I can't get across. I can't get across the track. Obviously there's, uh, you know, we're mid race. So I grabbed hold of, I grabbed hold of Jack Allen's mobile phone and I phoned my mobile. My wife answered and I said, listen, come up to the gate. I'm going to throw the transponder across the track. Mate. Well, I, I was go- I thought, like, I'm going to do it. Not like at fucking at level. I'm going to, like, launch it a good fucking 50 metres in the air. Um, I thought, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I, I, you know, I feel like I'd let everyone down. So um, but right. she said, so- she said that they'd already issued a 15 minute penalty issued a new transponder yeah you know so my wife said like don't worry about it so i ended up sitting the next hour out because of the 15 minute penalty we came p7 so i I really fucked it for the boys to be fair well it's just one of them things isn't it yeah yeah it's all it's all part of the race and you get mechanicals i didn't i didn't didn't do anything stupid i didn't make any Mm. any mistakes or 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 anything and everything was checked over beforehand not what happened sure with it, Jamie? Did it did it snap, or it literally just came? No, off? it just came off the rear sprocket. But it was it was all tight enough. I don't know if it maybe had stretched a little bit or something. I don't know. So um, Monday morning, I'm straight on the phone to um, Liam Murta, and I just ordered a new one and uh, oh. he delivered it delivered it the next day. It's on the bike. Everything's cushy. I've had a look at the uh, adjusters. The chain adjusters to make sure that they're not just you know doing whatever they want to do that, that everything's working. So I, I couldn't tell you why it came off. But um, whilst so, we're talking about I, it, sods fucking law, mate. That's what it was. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Whilst we're, whilst we're talking about it, I would like to say to my guys at T3S Racing, to Simon, to Steve, 
Um, oh, to, fucking to Tom, Tom, you got a violin there, mate. No, I, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, the, to the people that helped us, I just want to say thank you ever so much. Late Night Love with, Late Night Love with, what was his name? Dibley Travis. Is that who he was? I yeah, thought yeah. it was? I thought it was, uh, I thought his name was Graham something or another. Graham Torrington? Yeah. <laughs> no, he did Late Night Love, but it won that. That theme was someone had phoned up Dave Lee Travis with this fucking massive sob story about how the wife had left him for... Yeah. But oh. anyway, massively digress there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let's move on to Finn, because fucking how that boy got on at the weekend at Castle Coombe. 114 laps, mate, on a 675. That he'd only really rip. That's his first race. Just shy. I think he did a one fifteen. I think yeah. I don't think it was quite a one fourteen, but he did well. Like he only got two sessions. It, it wasn't due to go out on the Friday test day. I don't know what it is with Castle Coombe, but they're only allowed like ten riders out on track at one time or so. So they end up giving a noise. It's yeah. noise. Ah, right, like a cumulative noise thing. Yeah, yeah they um, they they have the worst noise police going. It's ridiculous. So apparently, they had to noise test him at like nine thousand revs, yeah, and it ended up blowing like 113 decibels, which obviously it's just ridiculous. Like, yeah. So, Dad, I think bastardized the blooming massive. Yeah. I don't know what he used, but he made a baffle out of something, and apparently it worked. But, uh, but he only got two sessions. Shits on a lot wire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. His way that he, he does it, he just if it, it, it don't care if he looks pretty, but if it works, it works, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got two two wet sessions. Um, and, yeah, never never in, ridden in the wet. And I wasn't there Friday, but as far as I, I was told, he rode really well. He was really smooth. Um, and then, yeah, Friday Friday was dry. So, he yeah, he went out and literally just did everything he had to do. Like, all he had to do was ride the bike, enjoy it. Literally zero pressure from me or, or anyone, to be honest. Like, And you could tell he was relaxed as well. Like, and every single time he went out on that bike, he got a bit he went faster. He went faster by a half a second or, or whatever. And yeah, he qualified really well. He started really well. Like I was a bit worried that he might flip the bike or something like that. But and I, I'm thinking about it. Castle Coombe's quite a quick little track, really. That, yeah, that yeah. first little right hand kink is is fast. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't really let it phase him. And from where I was watching from, I'd have a little cycle around the track and I'd watch him from a different point. And he just seemed really smooth. Like, and uh Greg, someone who helps us, was like. Are you like are you worried? Like, do you need a spare pair of pants? And I was like, honestly, no. Like, I know he's nowhere near the limit yet, so yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even worried. Like, I tell you uh, what, there are a few people that came off at the weekend, weren't they? Seen uh, Bob, yeah. Bob Bob Collins is in hospital. Uh, with uh, Jody Jody Fieldhouse. Yeah, Jody Fieldhouse. Did There's you see one of them? I saw a photo of what. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I can't remember what his name is, but he is like, yeah, I, fa- face, facing the sky, right yeah. in the air. But Bob 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 says that his was like the biggest crash that he's ever had in his his entire fucking career of racing. Um, he's been racing a while as well. Hasn't he? Yeah, for for him to say that, he must have been launched at the moon and then some. Proper. Uh, but anyway, um, we started recording late because we were uh, pissing about with uh, a little bit of tech issues because today's guest um, is shit with tech. <laughs> But um, the one thing that he is all over is, um, well, quite a serious topic, to be fair. How to check your fucking gonads. Um, Matt Finch from One Ball Racing joins us this week. Uh, 
he's going to tell us all about how he got started racing and more importantly why he got started racing so matt welcome to uh late apex thanks for joining us dude hi boys thank you for having me on Come right, welcome drums. mate welcome. so how's uh how's things anyway matt uh really good i mean um i'm peaking at the minute because i was at cadwell um at a weekend just gone as well it started off wet soggy and all the rest of it as you as you well know as you've already mm. mentioned um I was a bit apprehensive about riding down there in the wet, to be fair, considering how narrow it is and how little runoff there is. And, you know, there's no margin for error. Mm. Um, but it dried out, went out there, got a PB straight away on Friday. In the wet? No, no, not in the wet. Once it dried oh. out. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then what happened? I scored my first point, Man. which I know seems really trivial. Um, what class are you racing in? 600? 600? Yeah, newcomer 600, yeah. Right. Um, and it's been quite a long time coming. I've put a lot, a lot of work in yeah. getting it. Um, and absolutely over the moon with that first race. So I scored, yeah. finished off in 15th. Um, second race was a bit of a non-event. It was wet. The third race finished in uh, 10th overall, 9th in class. So uh, absolutely buzzing. So you're you're a little bit of an anomaly, I think, mate. Because most people, when they start racing, they're like, right, I've got to absolutely lob the the garden gate of this and really go for it, and I've got to pack out my season. Whereas you've been racing for a few years, haven't you? But you've done it to what you can afford to do it. So yeah, you've done like right. a couple of rounds yeah. each year, type thing. Yeah. Uh, how many had I done? I've done three. One with Bemsey, two with No Limits over the last two or three years, and that was all really because of cost um and also work and all the rest of it so you know family family life so it's good to finally take a bit of commitment in myself and get this first full season under my belt yeah so what had you done uh, previously now was it just sort of track days and stuff or did you jump straight into racing uh track days for a good few years i've probably done three or four years on track with always the view to um get into racing but it was sort of a, a bit of a confidence thing really thinking i wasn't quick enough um so yeah i was i was probably doing i don't know five or six track days a year up until then and then riding on the road from the age of 16 um and then way way before that i built a sort of 90 cc motorbike up with my granddad just out of a box of bits i like to ride in his back garden when i was sort of 13. So i've been riding for a little while but it was it was always the end game was to race i didn't really know how to get into it or anything i just thought well People just start off at World Superbikes and go from there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had no idea about club racing or any any of the stuff in between, none at all. I think that's probably the, the most common route for, for most people, isn't it? Like, I like you, I'm supposed to get a few crazy people to just jump straight into racing or whatever, but everyone does track days beforehand. Just, uh, just the usual. Yeah. 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 Um, it just took like talking to a few people. Like, um, I ended up one on one track day years and years and years ago I ended up in the garage from with uh Dell from uh Sublime and just got chatting to him I was like oh, that's, a, that's a nice bike that looks good he says oh I've done it I've done a race so it was good it was just having that conversation with someone just to learn the right pathway onto it all if you know what I mean yeah so after that conversation on that track day what was it that made you decide to go towards a club that you 
chose uh, and what different options were you given? Wasn't really given many options. So the lads that were in that garage were um, from Bemsey. Right. Um, so I think the other lad in the garage was mini twins or something in Bemsey. Um, and that was really all I knew about at the time. So I went and had a look at their website and that was all kind of transparent. You could see how much the costing was yeah, yeah. from the get-go for each round and for each day and things like that. So I think I think that was really nice, simple, easy breakdown to kind of work things out with. And that was who I'd done my first round with. Did you, you, did, did well. you have your ACU license at that time or did you did they advise you about the ACU license? No, they, they told me about the ACU as well. So mm. I didn't have it. I was just going off the road license at the time. Mm. Yeah. But to be fair, Bems's information that they have on their website is freaking brilliant. It's really good, yeah. 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 Second to like Thundersport when they were about like yeah. I think they they had a whole YouTube series and stuff, didn't they? Aren't? Yeah. But yeah, that was um that was really good and really helpful just to have that conversation with someone that done it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So when I first looked at going racing, freaking years ago, I naturally gravitated towards Thundersport simply because the information that Sid and uh, Bernadette were putting out there. Yeah. Um, were they on the telly then as well? They do. They don't. Uh, TV, they? Yeah, Motors TV, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just everything was literally gift wrapped. You didn't need to go searching for any information at all. Um, but then, obviously, with the increase of costs, they then couldn't couldn't. Um, for the production fees and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. It's and, what you need, isn't it? When you're starting out, it does seem like a bit of a, a minefield, even when the stuff is put there in front of you. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot to so, take in. So what, um, what was the main catalyst then for you going racing? Or like me, did you just wake up one day and think, fuck it, I'm doing it? I'd always wanted to do it. Um, Dad on Speedway and grass track and stuff when I was growing up, and, you know, it was something that had always been around and I'd always wanted to watch uh, sorry, go go racing. I went to watch, you know, World Supers and MotoGP and all the rest of it. Um, and that kind of stepping stone was there then. Um, diagnosed with testicular cancer in about Christmas time in 2018. Fuck. How old were you at that point? 29. Fuck. Same age so, as me now, yeah. Pardon? Same age as, as I am now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you just scratch your nuts as you said that, Tom? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, actually, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And, yeah. um, you know, need to stop putting putting excuses in front of me doing it and just get on and do it. So I uh, got, got the treatment out of the way and got my CTC course booked in. And, and that was it. I think about two months after treatment, I was down at, Brands Indy doing the course. So, what describe what you that because I I cannot I cannot even begin to comprehend <laughs> what that conversation must have been like when somebody sat in front of you and went, Matt, I'm sorry to tell you, but there's a tumor. Um, it was a bit of a weird one. So it all all came about. Um. I sat at the breakfast table um, and I noticed a bit of a dull ache one morning. Didn't really think a lot of it. I thought because I'm quite a fit and active bloke, I've mm. just like strained it cycling or training or doing something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, had a little rummage and I did notice a bit of a lump there. And then again, I thought, oh no, some, you know, stuff. Then I'll, I'll see, I'll see what happens. I've obviously got my missus to have a, the second opinion as well, get her to have a rummage as well. She's like, oh no, there's, there's definitely something there. Um, 
So I popped to the GPs and then obviously. Did you nip to the toilet for the quick one in case you had to empty it bank and it just that? I'd have been trying everything before I had to go to the GP and get my balls out in front of them. No, to be honest, mate, I, I wanted to get it all um, done and dusted and sort of ruled out yeah. as soon as I could do. Do you know what I mean? Um, but obviously, you walk into the GP's surgery, every time you go to the doctor's, it's middle-aged bloke with big hairy hands and yeah, yeah. sweat patches under his armpits. Of course, I walked in on that day. It's a 30-something-year-old chick. Oh. And I'm like... Oh. Gift wraps. Oh, why have I got to do this? I might have to book an appointment. <laughs> yourself down there. <laughs> Never seen her since. And then uh, obviously she had to have a rummage and they booked me in for um, like an urgent scan. Went down another two days later. And that was only then when they said, oh, you've got a tumour, but there's like 95% chance that it is cancer and sort of 5% chance that it's not. And I'm a bit blindly optimistic, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I sat in the, I sat in the, um, we were in the car at the time. We got a phone call, more or less, straight away after the scan. And they went, "Yeah, it's ninety-five percent chance to be tumour." I was like, "Well, it's not, is it? It's, I'm, I'm going to be in that five percent. I'll be all right." And um, it was only really when I went back later on that afternoon they said, "Well, we need you to come back later in the afternoon and sort of have a, a proper conversation with someone." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, no worries." And they're going to tell me I'm in the five percent, and I'm, I'll be all right. And that was only until I sat down and read the um, oncology name name badge on the nurse. So I sort of realised, and it sort of sunk in a little bit, really. Um, it was a bit of a shocker, but I kind of, I didn't half know, but I sort of expected and prepared myself a little bit yeah. for the bad news. So it didn't, it didn't hit me maybe as hard initially as it could have done. What was yeah. the, sorry to interrupt, what was the time period from like you going to the GP and then, and then getting that? Um, uh, conclusion. Friday went in to GPs on Friday um, and was seen in urology for this scan on the Tuesday. So really, really quick. Yeah. Really quick. Um, and they gave you the answer on the Tuesday or did you have to wait, wait a little bit longer? Or? So they didn't actually still know whether it was cancerous or not. They just said, mm. yeah, it's a tumour, 95% chance it's cancer. Mm. Because of the nature of... Um, the testicular cancer, they can't kind of cut a little bit off and take a biopsy and check. Yeah. They have to kind of take the whole thing off, test it, examine it. Um, then there's and not sewing it back on. It was or wasn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, <stick laughs> yeah, no, you, you clean it, have your plumb back. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was a case of going in on the Tuesday and then surgery on the following Friday. So it was... Wow. Really, really, yeah, really yeah. quick. Um, Did you have to go through radiotherapy and all that kind of stuff as well? Yeah. So once they finally looked at it, took it out, looked at it, um, confirmed it was cancer, they said, yeah, it's good. Um, have some chemo just as kind of a precaution because I got it so early on. It hadn't spread anywhere else. It hadn't gone to lymph nodes. It hadn't gone yeah. to any other um, surrounding tissues or organs or anything like that. They They offered me the secondary sort of treatment of the chemo as a follow-up is a just in case. So yeah, I had um, what's called BEP, it's like uh, three, three different drugs over, I think it was over a week period mm. with two follow-up chemos after that. 
bloody hell. So how, how did that, because I, I, I'm really fortunate that nobody in my family that's still alive has been affected with cancer. So I don't know all the treatments and all, yeah, but yeah. what I do know is that radiology kicks the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I was quite, um, I put a lot of time and effort into keeping myself fit and active and eating well, you know, besides all of the racing and working and all the rest of it, I've got an allotment, I'm a bit of an old man. Mm. Um, but actually that, all of that stuff that I put in beforehand, I think really benefited through my treatment. Yeah. I had quite keeping a bit it, of keeping that positive minds. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I made sure that I ate really well in hospital as well, despite feeling grotty, you know, at the very least I had something to throw up. Um, so I'll take it. I'll take it you had somebody going out and getting your food then, if you ate well. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I think they must give you the best food in the hospital or something. I had a fry up every morning. Um, but yeah, but by the end of the week, I was um, I was really for a kebab and all the rest of it. So <laughs> this is nipped yeah. out, brought a kebab down, all, all that. So yeah. How long was the the treatment kind of thing start start to finish? Um, it's forecast for five days. However, my, I was in for a week in total. So as in each chemo, each session or? or that, that was in the whole duration? Hit, that's, of, so right. in one duration, yeah, in one hit. So the, the treatment I had was made up of three drugs. They're given to you over six hours. And then the remainder of that time is what I call rehydration therapy. So all the drugs, um, they kind of dehydrate you and they cause crystals in your kidneys and things like that. So they mm. absolutely smash you with fluids for the remaining 16 hours of the day um so that's what slows down the whole process of your treatment then after you've had your five days or seven days or whatever you come back for then two separate days of treatment i think two weeks and four weeks after yeah Mm. so matt did you uh did you have your racing license before all this or was it i had it after after so having gone through what you've gone through did that put any additional hurdles in your way for getting a racing license no, I, I declared it all um, when I applied with the ACU and I didn't have any questions asked at all. So I guess they were more than happy with it. Mm. That's class. I think there's, there's quite a few few races with a similar thing in there. Yeah. Was it Troy, Troy Corsa or Troy Bayless, one of them? Or was that? No, that was a separate thing. I think that was in a crash Wait. or something. But I know Sam Cox. Um, Sam Cox. Yeah, Sam yeah. Cox. He's, he's recently gone through something very similar. We actually put a roof on his mum's house. Um, but Sam's a lovely lad. And he... Uh, yeah, I know he, he went through the whole thing and it was quite a struggle, but he, he got back on a bike quite quick, to be yeah. fair to him. And, and when he did get back yeah. on a bike, he was quick, straight from the off. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I spent a, bit of, spent a bit of time with Sam um, over a race weekend and sort of went and met him after his treatment and things. And then I think he finished in February and was back out tested in March or something crazy like that. And I think he yeah, had, fair play. His, I think his cancer was a little bit more advanced than mine. So he had a, a, a lot more treatment. Hmm. So he absolutely um, smashed it there. Deal. So jo- joining us with Matt tonight is uh, is Vince from the charity. It's on the ball. So uh, Vince, thank you very much for coming and joining us. And uh, yeah, are, are you prepared for this podcast? Well, I don't know whether I'm prepared, but yeah, <laughs> thanks for inviting me along. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can fill in some of the gaps and you know let other people know just what it's all about really and yeah 
know, checking yourself regularly. Uh, I mean, it was interesting there listening to Matt. You know, I've, I've known Matt a little while now, and he he was he did all the right stuff. He went to get it checked out quite early, which meant his treatment was less severe as it could have been. So a lot of guys have to have chemo for three or four months. Um, if if the cancer spread to other organs in the body, which this type of cancer can do, that's one of yeah. the dangers of it. It can spread really quickly to other organs, lungs, liver, brain. And then, you know, sometimes I have to open you up from, you know, from your neck down to your belly button to get at them. So then that's really serious stuff then. So, you know, Matt, Matt did all the right stuff, a little bit of chemo. And and then off he goes. So yeah, it's, yeah. Th- through his racing, Matt's Matt's promoting your charity and helping spread the word. Yeah, which is great yeah. for us. I mean, um, you know, his bike's got our logos on and stuff, and you know, it's a good way to get the message out across the guy because it's a young man's cancer. Hmm. Um, predominates in the fifty to thirty-five age group. So. Oh, J- Jamie, me and you were sorted, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, you know. I don't know what on the podcast, I don't know where people can see the screen, but they'll they'll realise that I'm, you know, I'm a little bit past 35. But uh the eldest guy I don't have treated down the road here in Norwich was in his 70s. It just predominates in that, that yeah, yeah. earlier age. What's, can I ask, what, what is there is there a reason for that? Like, what's it due to the amount of testosterone or something in the body or no, they're not quite sure why. Um, you know, whether it's because we're we're hitting a lot of testosterone in that age group as we come through puberty and our balls start really pumping the stuff out. Mm. Um, but they say there are no known causes, but there are quite a few risk factors, which to me sounds a bit contradictory. You know, if, if it's a risk factor, it, it could be a it's cause. A yeah, yeah. No. It, it just means that the risk factors aren't definite. So if you're in these risk factors, it's not, you're definitely, you know, it's not like, it's not like linking uh, lung cancer with tobacco. There's not a strong link to a lot of these causes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's probably like you're saving something to do with usage because <laughs> by, by, by the time you're 40, you're married and they're starting to dry up because your wife's pissed up, pissed off with you. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah. So, and it's funny, like Matt, Matt said, um, you know, when, when he found a lump, he got the missus to have a, a fumble down there. Quite often, you know, lads said, oh, my missus found it. Yeah. So, and the other thing, um, you know, while we're on this sort of subject, I guess, um, sometimes after treat, some guys are quite, you know, you've had a, you've had one of your balls removed, and they will offer to fit a prosthetic, a, a mm. false one. Um, some guys do, some guys don't, some guys don't like them. But I've, I've talked to a lot of ladies about this, and a lot of the ladies say, "Well, I don't care whether he's got one or two. He says, "You know, sometimes the girls will say." In fact, it's a bit more interesting if they've only got one. <laughs> I, suppose I, can, I, suppose, I suppose I can only fit one in a mouth at a time. Well, that's right, yeah. So it's a apart a little bit. bit so, a bit of teabagging. Yeah. There's no levels on this podcast, Vince. But, 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 <laughs> uh, another thing Matt said was, uh, you know, when he went to get examined and it was a fit, fit girl, you know, going to examine him. A, a lot of guys actually said, what if I get a hard on? Trust me, when someone's examining your balls for cancer, you're not going to get a hard on. Until they sneakily check your prostate. Yeah. And, and, and then you just back to rights, you've got no option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, uh, 
how's um, how's the racing journey gone then? Were the anxiety levels there, or was it just like I've gone through that racing will be a piece of piss, and you just threw yourself at it? It was completely different, I think. Um, health's one thing, but once, yeah, I guess once I got through all the treatment and that, it was kind of put behind me and put to rest. Um, I think racing is still. It's, it's going to be full of anxiety for anybody. Mm. I feel it a lot when I go, particularly sort of worry about um, whether well, I've forgotten things or... Did you get did you get a prostate feed? No. No, I've just... A prostate, not, not a prostate, a prostate. prostate. <laughs> 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 so, how, right, how, does it feel any different sat on a motorbike only having one ball? The levers fit better. Mm-hmm. Right better sided like that. Better power to weight ratio as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, I reckon, yeah. Those, I, um... It's not going to be as uncomfortable, is it, when leather shrink a bit after a bit of usage? No. No, they fit great. They fit loads better, actually. I should, um, you know, when you get these messages from the um, fellows in Punjab or wherever who make the levers, I should <laughs> yeah. catch them out a little bit. Could you, could you do something special for me? <laughs> Can you make a pocket? Custom, <laughs> custom ball sack. They'd probably do it. Probably. Uh, uh, so you're faster now than like on a bike around a, a circuit than you was before, being lighter. Yeah, there's um, it's a good couple of kilos off, isn't it, for me particularly. <laughs> so um, every so, little bit helps, doesn't it? I'm looking forward to your question later on because when you ask what's your favourite type of porn, you can't say I ain't got one because there's a story go, for it. There's go, a story going, for it. Going through radiology, you yeah. must have had to crack one out to preserve the old spot, to preserve the old seed before you started your treatment. I had to go and um, I was offered a um, what do they call it, a fertility clinic, to go and um, to go and give a sample, and I I wasn't too bothered, you know. Between me and my partner, we, we had two already between us and she's there was no question she was like no you're going gonna go and give a sample it's like for fuck's sake but everyone knows what i'm gonna go and do here don't they they know exactly <laughs> don't need an excuse so do you my mum my mum and dad know where i'm going on thursday <laughs> before the operation <laughs> i was not in the mood not in the mood to be going and doing it a day before having it off looking at your mum screwing the eyes i've just got nicked yeah. to the toilet <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> His mum's saying, oh, Matt, you haven't changed a bit. You know? No, I spent all, the years, all these years hiding it, and now I'm telling everyone what I'm going to go and do. <laughs> it's, it's, when, it's when your mum considers it part of the treatment and gives you the hug before you walk in the room. Oh, <laughs> oh mum, just... <laughs> Don't hug me, mum, you <laughs> I've got to go and get right, one down, mum. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to hear the answer now. It's got to be some really dirty stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to put a little serious note on there. Like, joking apart, the fertility thing is, is an issue. And um, some NHS, it's a bit of a lottery, really. Some NHS trusts won't bank sperm if they've already got two children, right. even, if, even if they're from a previous relationship. So then guys might have to go off and, and have it done privately or, you know, bank sperm privately which is horrendously expensive and it mm. takes time to do. And like Matt said, you know, they want to start treatment with, literally within days of yeah, diagnosis. Yeah. So so sometimes that doesn't happen. 
yeah. Some guy, so but yeah. Um, I, I've I've got four kids, so for me, like, my my last tour in Afghanistan, I was climbing up uh, up the mast, working with all the RF equipment and stuff, and I'm like, just leave it switched on, it's fine. Cook my balls, I don't need any more kids. <laughs> but if I didn't yeah. have if I didn't have kids, that would be my first primary thought. Oh my yeah. god, uh, when when I've overcome this. Uh, am I going to be able to be a dad? Um, so yeah, I, I can imagine it's a massive stress for it. It like, is, yeah. Like, you know, it's it's a we've just said it's a cancer that affects young men. So it's quite often early twenties, just starting married life, thinking about starting families, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So it can be a real blow, you know. So, yeah. and, and and often guys think it's um it's like having part of your masculinity removed, you know, having one of your nuts off. Yeah, you know, that, that that's what makes us blokes, isn't it? So, you know, having testicles removed, some guys have a bit of a, an issue with that as well. So, body image as well. Yeah, a bit of a yeah. I'd I'd, pre- I'd prefer to have one surgery removed though than now. So when I was in the motorcycle display team, uh, used to do this crossover, and the fuel tank on the Triumph was sitting slightly proud of the seat unit. And anyway, the T-bond in the centre of the arena, the guy slid forward in the saddle, and he's lost a nut to the fuel tank. The, his nuts got trapped under fuel tank because he's gone over handlebars. Yeah. I'd, I'd... Billy McConnell's the other one with one nut. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves getting it out. Loves it. <laughs> <laughs> Tells everyone. Like, who was at the TT? He was, he was on the piss and uh, he kept, he was like, do you want to see my one nut? Like, I've got one nut. Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? I'm like, no, Billy, no. Goes, <laughs> goes to the toilet, shows me his party. Tr- his eyes. I don't, I probably won't tell him to. I won't I, I did ask him if I could have a false one that had it fitted. I just wanted to take it round with me and just do stuff with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I was in the raft at the time, and the raft doctor said, "No, you're not having any of that, mate. You know, we know what you'll get up to. Here. You can." <laughs> DL. Uh, yeah. So, what's the aspirations then with the racing, Matt? Part of the um, wanting to do this full season was to get the club and license. Um, I quite fancy the F900 Cup. All right. So reading that you could enter that with the clubman was a bit of a kick up the arse to kind of get the full season under my belt as well, just to get those um, bays in. So that that would be good, F900 Cup. I think it's um, a sort of a more cost-effective way of getting to the British paddock, isn't it? Yeah. Than anywhere else. It's a bit more of a level playing field, but it will be in like a control series and that. So uh, I'd like uh, to do that. I think there's a lot of clubs as well that are opening their doors to those F900s, aren't they? And allowing yeah, them to enter yeah. the club classes. Yeah, there was a couple at um, Cadwell at the weekend. Yeah. In the street bike club. What, what so. class? Oh, street bike, yeah? Yeah. Just have to go at that, you know, little by little. Do your, um, your novice, get your clubman. Yeah. Wait, how many signatures have you got now as a novice? I think I was about eight, so I'm... I'm well on my way. Yeah. Is it? Is it? It's in a two-year period, isn't it? Yeah. Two and so, a year preceding, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, a couple more races, and then that, that's you. will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Is it still the case you get a signature for Saturday and a signature for Sunday? Yes. Race day. I think a lot of people think yeah. it's finishes, isn't it? But it's an entire day. Yeah. So yeah. No, no. But do you, do you get one? As in. Yeah, yeah, so you get, you yeah. get one, so you get two, two for a weekend, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Apart, apart from endurance racing, where they'll give you two signatures for the, the one race because oh, the amount oh, of really? time you're on the yeah, 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 that's good, yeah. yeah, that's decent, yeah. 
But it, am I right in thinking, Jim? It's not everybody in the team, is it? It's only t- is it only two riders from a team that can everyone. play one? Is it? No, it's everyone. Yeah. So yeah, within five races of doing endurance, you, you can build grading. Especially if you do, especially if you do what Jamie's done and partner with fast lads. Oh, see, it still goes on the time. Like if you, <laughs> like when when you go from clubman to national, it's based on fifty percent of the. It's ninety. Winners. You've got a bit. You've got to be within ninety two point five percent of the finishers' time in your class. Ah, yeah. So yeah. if you're with fast lads, then yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So that's not what I've done, by the way. What's not what you've done? He said that's what Jamie's done. Jumped on the. With the fast lads, I was joking. God bless. You need a cuddle. I've got, I've got emotions, you know, <laughs> not feelings. <laughs> mate, you're, you're coming up, mate. You're coming on. Cause... Just because I'm dead hard and I'm tough and stuff like, <laughs> like, don't it? Don't mean I don't get upset by stuff. Like an armadillo, <laughs> ain't you? All, all hard on the outside and soft, yeah. and crunk, soft. <laughs> no, so. no, I know what you mean. I just roll with it, you know. So I, I, I don't. Does it? Does it go off the team times or does it go off your individual times, Jamie? Um, no, I'm not sure how it goes, to be fair. I'm not entirely sure. I know that if you, if you pretty, pretty much if you finish, you mm. get, you get a signature. So if, if they, if they say that you. But that's, that's moving novice to clubman. You've just got to yeah. finish. But then going yeah. from clubman to national. You, that's when you need to be getting your ninety two point five percent of the winner's time. Yeah, um, and I th- think it's I'm not sure because how could they? How would they know which rider? How would you be able to prove that that was your time? I don't know. Don't know. In well, fact, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, there's only one transponder, so yeah, it must go off the team time. Must go off team time. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting. So, do you not fancy doing a bit of endurance racing, Matt? I've got my first endurance booked in for Donington in a couple of weeks. Oh, sweet. Um, I agreed to that this morning, actually. So, who's uh, that with? No limits again. No, um, I mean, are you doing that on your own? No, I've, um, there's a lad called David Dean who I raced with last okay. year with no limits. Got you. Same bike as me um, and another lad. I don't even know his name, but um, be all right. Be interesting. I've never, like I say, never done it before. Well, you, you'll leave there. With you, you'll leave there effectively with all the all the signatures you need to. Yeah, you yeah, would it by then. Yeah, uh, that'd be yeah. sweet. Just hope we have some nice weather this time round. It wants well, to be. It wants to be nice at Cadwell next. Uh, sorry, Donington next week. So I'm supposed to be there on Wednesday. I've yeah. been looking at. I've been looking at the forecast already, and I don't know. It's. It's. They're not. They're not really accurate, are they? No. I don't even know what the weather's going to be like we tomorrow. That's over there, will we? Mm. Didn't, didn't Cadwell get cancelled at the weekend? No, nah, they had a nah. stoppage Monday. on Sunday. Oh, it was a big stoppage, was it? Right. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. fact, yeah, that's I've. I, I know we talk about like different races and stuff like that, and and lads that are doing well. I think we need to give a massive shout out to one of the marshals that was marshalling at No Limits because I don't know if you've seen on their social media, one of the lads who's a regular at No Limits had a heart attack mid-race yes. or, or mid-practice session. Is it the deck, gone sliding through the gravel, whatever, the marshals run over to him and give an immediate first aid, CPR, all that kind of stuff. Um, they've managed to um, uh, they've managed to resuscitate him, get him on yeah, the ambulance, yeah. get him to Grimsby, uh, Grimsby Hospital and 
he's he's doing well. He's well on his way to recovery. Fair just, play. just because of the speed and the actions of that marshal. Uh, yeah. Wow. And I, I know we like to lord the Orange Army and all that kind of stuff, but that is just freaking amazing. That's incredible, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah it just goes to show how valuable they are to us. So Paul, Paul from No Limits made a good point on his social media. If he'd not been racing, if he'd just been at home, gone into into cardiac arrest and they phoned an ambulance, he's probably less likely to have survived it because the, yeah. the times for an ambulance and the medical team to get to him. But simply because of the fact that he was racing and there were medical teams there on site, that's why he's still here. I mean, you could racing. argue the fact that he had a heart attack was because he was racing a bike, but... Racing but it, saves lives, boys. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I just wanted to put that in there to give a massive shout out to that marshal. I don't know the name, yeah. the name hasn't been shared, but if you're listening to this and you are that marshal, absolutely take my hat off to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, so what's the aspirations for the chat? Because I'll be honest, until I met Matt, I'd not heard of It's On The Ball, Vince. I'd... Yeah, but it, it probably depends where you're located because we are, um, we're sort of based, we, we operate in East Anglia, so Norfolk, Essex, Right. Um, there are often there's another similar charities around the country, but there are big gaps. Yeah. So it sort of depends where you're located to whether you've got someone similar to us nearby. Because mm. um, we don't just bang on about, you know, guys checking the balls. We do do support for patients, whether that's, um, you know, emotional support or practical yeah. support, financial support, all that sort of good stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, I don't know, sort of northeast of the country, there's not a lot, you know, there's, there's no one up there. Um, so, yeah. So we're coming, I think, Tom's south of you uh, in Kent, Jamie's yeah. south Midlands in Milton Keynes, and then I'm north Midlands up by Stoke. Yeah, um, so, I mean... Um, there's there's UK there in sort of Oxford Way. Uh, it's in the bag down in uh, Bristol. Mm. Um, yeah, so you, uh, I mean, guessing uh, if you Google testicular cancer charity, you would find them all. Yeah, Hopefully, yeah. we'll we'll come up on top of that list. But <laughs> it, it, it's one of those though, like you say, Vince. It's it's not something that you'd go and search until you need it. You need exactly. it, to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, why would you, you know? Like, and by then, it's probably too late because you haven't been paying attention on how to get your nuts checked. Yeah, and, and a lot of guys buried their head in the sand, you know, they'll they'll tell themselves it's okay. And and some, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Um, and uh, we, we changed our literature a little bit because we used to say, uh, don't worry, it could be a harmless cyst. But hmm. well, I think we're telling people not to worry. And what we should really do is tell people to worry. Yeah. And go and get it checked out. And, and if it is something harmless, because there could be other, you know, things, then all well and good. Yeah, ticking yeah. the box, off you go. But um, you don't want to be the other way and, and let it get too bad. Like you say, Matt did all the right stuff. So he, he's a great ambassador for us. So, uh, so I, I'm, I, I don't know if it was just like hammered into me when like when I was in the army, but I will not go to the GP unless I absolutely have to. My yeah. wife, my wife's constantly playing L with me. She's like, go get it checked out. We're like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll, I'll self-treat. I'll, I'll like, yeah. 
I won't, yeah. I won't even go to the hospital to get my stitches taken out. I'll cut them out myself. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a blokey thing. It is a military thing. You know, I'm at Six Army, I'm X-Rap, you're X-Army. Yeah. Um, and we see that as a bit, it's a bit of a weakness to go to the doctor in, in those sort of environments. And it should be the other way around, you know. I mean, and now people talk a lot about mental health, and, mm. you know, you know, to to go and get, you know, if you're feeling down, go and get some help, reach out. So um, I, I I don't see it as a waste. I don't see it as a um, as a weakness. I, to me, going to the GP is a waste of time because it's the time that it takes for me to get to the GP. It's the time that it takes for me to get an appointment. It's the time that it takes for me to sit in the waiting room. And by that time, I could have sorted it and been on the way to recovery. And, and that's that's the mind. That's the thought process that I go through. And I yeah. think a lot of blokes are like that as well. Time's a valuable resource that none of us have got enough of. Yeah. Yeah, and some guys don't want to be told bad news. Yeah, they say, well, I'd rather not know. Well, would you rather not know or would you rather be, think you have your life saved? So, yeah. We're fucking beggars. So, uh... For me, it was a case of getting it either ruled in or ruled out as early yeah, yeah. as possible so I could yeah. get treated and sorted as soon yeah. as possible with the least amount of, um, you know, intervention into my own life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah take um, that anxiety away. I'd like yeah, to yeah. say, get, you know. Yeah. And I, I wish that I'd known about this on the ball or other charities because there was a lot of um, a lot of unknown about treatment for me. You know, mm. in this case, oh, you're going to go and have an operation. Never had an operation before. You're going to go and have chemo. I don't know anyone that's had chemo before. Yeah. And of course, you go online, you read all the um, not reviews. You know what I mean, though, don't you? Um, yeah, and, 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 and that's that's why we do that buddy system where yeah. you know when guys are uh, diagnosed, we'll put them in touch. With someone who's been through it, and they'll yeah. sort of act as a bit of a mentor for them, and just you know, what, what is it like having chemo? Well, yes, yeah, you, you see it on the telly, yeah, it's shit. You know, you're going to be spewing your guts up, and your hair's going to fall out. Mm. But what's all the other stuff? You know, the you know, you can't taste, and your gums bleed, and you, you know, all this sort of other stuff that, that you don't sort of, be, yeah. you know, they're not going to put that on the telly. Yeah, yeah. But if you've got a guy somewhere there saying, yeah, I went through all that. Um, and I went through, in my case, I went through all that 35 years ago. You know, so it, it's not all bad news. And you can, and that's quite reassuring. Yeah. And I know one of our guys last week, he was, um, he's mentoring a guy at the moment. And this guy, he was having his, he was going through his second cycle of chemo. And our lad Andy sat next to him and, and he said, 10 years ago, I was sat in that chair with one of those drips in my arm. And look at me now, you know. Yeah. And, and for that guy that was having the chemo, that's quite reassuring. Yeah. yeah, you're feeling shit, but there's a, you know, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, sort of thing. So. What? So, if if everybody if everybody was to um, identify it at the same similar sort of stage as Matt did, what's the survivability rate? So it's about ninety eight percent, which right. you know is, is remarkable in the world of cancer. That is remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's I don't like saying there's good cancer and bad cancers, but that that is really good. But it is detecting it early is, is the big yeah. key message. Um, because the longer you leave it, the worse it's gonna get, and then you're having lots of chemo. Yeah. And and another thing Matt was saying um, earlier on, he was talking about when he was uh, being treated and he was eating well and, and doing all the right stuff. That helps as well. If you're a young, fit man, you can tolerate chemo. Better than some old bloke who's smoking and sedentary and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, your body can tolerate the, the, the chemotherapy better. 
And it, it's the same as crashing a motorbike. The yeah. fitter, the fitter you are, the faster you recover. Um, and that's probably why I'm still not riding. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to develop the mindset of a champion and consistently perform at your best on the track? If you're a motorcycle racer looking to take your performance to the next level, then you need to check out Daniel Parker, Motorsport Mindset Coach. Whether you struggle with pre-race nerves, having trouble staying focused during a long race, or just want to take your performance to the next level, then Dan Parker, Motorsport Mindset Coach can help. With personalized coaching programs tailored to your specific needs, you'll learn the mental skills and strategies you need to excel on the track. So why wait? Sign up for Dan Parker Motorsport Mindset Coach today. And remember to mention the Late Apex podcast to receive a 20% discount. You can find Dan on Facebook or on Instagram. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, so you mentioned like you just done like a, a buddy system with the, the cancer treatment and things. Like, do you think like a buddy system would help with newcomers? Like if they're if the clubs could orientate a um like a a, a person that's already been through the newcomer process and then maybe that would be a thing thing to, to do for newcomers to help them get through their uh yeah that'd be, their yeah, first few meetings i think that'd be dead handy wouldn't it i think you know things like knowing what to pack for a race weekend there's always something that you get you're adding to that list every single time you go away for a race weekend what is always that feeling isn't there always that feeling that you forgot something driving what down did, the road yeah. what did yeah. you t- what did you take to your first race meeting with your map um bike spare wheels um not enough fuel for a start um food that was about it mate to be honest i I really struggled for that first race weekend i think i was living out the back of the van sleeping in the back of the van just Um, a bear van like not not a camper van or anything just a bear van van, yeah Mm. by lined um wasn't even insulated yeah, just the absolute bare basics. And I think what's helped me massively with my riding is um, I've been speaking to a chap called Martin Buckles, who was Cup 1000, Superstock 1000, R6 Cup. He's really steered me in the right direction. So I think it'll be good for every club to have someone like that. I, I, to say, I actually think on. I think Bemsey do a point, um, like a, a mentor for their newcomers. Yeah. They do. They do a buddy system. It's yeah, um, I've spoke to a few people about it, and they've kind of all raved about how, how good it is. You know, going on about the the how great is the the, the champagne supernova? The you know that trying to think of the rock. How easy it is! How they can fit into a race weekend and have the the, the scary side of it, the jitters, be kind of taken away from you just by having someone there to help you a few yeah. of the lads i know that were, were, were opting for that this year round over say no limits just because of the buddy system yeah which makes complete sense uh, and i think we are i think it links to what you were saying vince about um people not getting checks because we want to be masculine and all that kind of stuff i think times are changing i think blokes now uh we do feel like we are able to ask questions and you know what? If someone thinks that we're being stupid for asking that question, well, fuck you. I'm asking the question anyway. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a bike racer at all, uh, but I went up to see Matt a couple of weeks ago when he was just practicing at Smetter Turn, and he, I said, "How's it going?" He says, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit." He says, "But 
I've got this guy next to me and he, he's following me around and give me some tips and then I'm going to go out for him and, and round and, and, you know, pick up some tips just by following him around the circuit. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought, well, yeah, that seems to be a really good sort of, you've got a good camaraderie in the paddock and you're all there for the same reason and, you, you know, guys where you, you want to see each other succeed and do well and, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just, you're all passionate about, about the sport. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... I think in terms of right, in, football is very tribal, isn't it? Uh, and rugby and other sports like that, it's all very tribalistic. Whereas motor, motor racing and in particular motorcycle racing, there is such a respect there among competitors that until that visor goes down, everyone are friends and everyone will help each other. Right? I've completely spanned my bike in an accident, come back from the medical centre and found the lads that I'm racing fixing my bike for me yeah, to get me yeah, out on the grid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is no other sport where you would ever get that. Um, I've um, I've often referred to some mental health um, concerns that people have, and I've used it, what you've just said there, in, 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 in a similar context. If you went back to when your parents were finishing work, like your dad would go down the working men's club or down the pub and, you know... Um, chat amongst each other get things off their chest um you know 10 10 cigarettes and a, and a few pints of alcohol and, and they'd be moaning about their wives and stuff like that and the your mum or, or your your mums would be at carol's house next door having a chat throughout the day whereas people don't do that anymore so yeah. i think there's a a lot of stuff being built up inside men and women nowadays because they're not talking about their problems they're not they're not being social and for the likes of us where we go to these race meets your competition is your best friend until yeah. that visor goes down and you'll i walk around the pits and there, there are people i'm not even racing against people i don't really know and i've become quite pally with them and i'll be having a right laugh with them and it will relax you you know pre-race um and uh, it, it takes the edge of things. It, mm. it's, it's I like think it's really important. Go, though, isn't it? In the biking community, it's like that everywhere. Yeah. You yeah. Go. yeah. I think you can go anywhere in the world and have a common appreciation for bikes, can't you? You see someone with a lid and you sort of look at their bike, you think, yeah, that's a bit nice, isn't it? You can do that anywhere. And I think that's um, that's a really valuable tool that we all have in our community. So everyone so I is so open to talk to each other about things and, as part of the draw for the um the promoting whole testicular cancer thing as well mm. you know it's the right sort of people the right age yeah predominantly the right gender works well so i um i did a lot of work with uh, the mental health charity uh, mental health motorbikes uh, for the past couple of years um and what i wanted to get into the paddock which i'm really happy to see is now in place with ng um, is a mental health um, first aid support team. Uh, they're, cool. rolling, they're rolling it out with uh, race marshals at the moment that they've been training. But my, I, I will not talk to anybody if I don't feel a connection with them. So the, the people that I would speak to when my head's boiling, when my wife's doing my tits in, when work's getting on my nerves and all that kind of stuff. I should have said that the other way around, shouldn't I? But anyway, we'll roll with it. Um, the people that I want to speak to are the people that get me, which are people in the race community. And when I uh, had my big accident last year that saw me season end like halfway through, yes, 
I watched racing and yes, I missed doing it, but nowhere near as much as what just missed being in the paddock around the people that got me and I got them. It's I it's where I feel like I belong. Even if I'm not doing it, I feel like I belong in the paddock with that. I, I'm one of I'm one of those people. You know what I mean? It's um, and, and it's a connection that I felt more than when I was in the army. I've worked with some absolute whoppers in the army uh, who, I, who I didn't have that connection with, whereas in the racing paddock, regardless of anyone's background, I feel like, yeah, you know what, me and you, me and you have got a It takes a little while to get into that feeling, I think, in the paddock, doesn't it? I think when you first come in as a newcomer, it, yeah. is, a, it is massively um, daunting and intimidating place, even on track day. Yeah. Sort of, it gets you, does get you feeling a little bit nervous and things, but yeah. I think it does. Um, it makes your your race weekend a lot better, doesn't it? If you start having a chat with people around you and have a chat with people trackside, and that's it's really worth doing. Yeah. So I always used I always used to make a point as well of after a race, if I've had a, if I've had a good ding dong with somebody, I'd put my bike in the on, my, on it in its warmers, and then I'd go around the paddock and find that guy and, and just say, "Oh, that girl," and and say, "Look, well done. It was me that was racing you back there," and and and. and meet people that way um uh yeah it's i don't know it's a massive community and it's a big family yeah, yeah. got a yeah. good rivalry with um blake didwell at the minute in my newcomer class we seem to have a few things right. on track with him yeah it's good we have a good laugh and that off the bike now it's really good to have yeah it, i'll tell you what some of his social media people. posts crap me up He's a funny boy, isn't he? Yeah, he's a funny boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's definitely he's definitely a, a, a one for the future to get on here. I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's some of the stuff he puts out. It's just like, uh, where did that come from? <laughs> and what part of your brain told you that that was it was going to be a good? So, but he's just got. He don't care. He's like, right. yeah, this is yeah, it's mega. So. What would your top tips then be for somebody that's just about to start racing, or someone that's just got their rookie, uh, just on the CTC and they're in an orange vest? Pick a club that has all the rounds closer to your house. Um, I think pick and sort of go to the rounds that you know the tracks well. So I picked um, Snetterton for sort of my first few rounds being from Ipswich area it's only sort of an hour hour and a half from my house um, I've done a fair few laps around there I was fairly comfortable I knew where everything was in the paddock um, and then I think when you get there when you get set up and sorted out go and have a walk around the track mm. understand the, the proper lay of the land with that track so it's all very well watching a video on YouTube with someone smashing around doing a sub two minute lap, but you can't really get a feel for the track and where the bumps are, where the cambers are, where you actually need to start braking and all of that sort of thing. So I think take time, learn the track, um, pick a track that you're close to so that it just takes away a little barrier, if you like, or something else to be concerned about, you know, having to travel five, six hours. Um, it's probably a good way to start. I'll make yeah. sure that your bike is good. Get someone else who's raced before to go over your bike and make sure that everything's straight. The bars are set up right. You know, your seat's good. Um, make sure that you've got good confidence in it. You know, obviously change all your fluids, 
change your brake fluids, change your stick some new pads in, stick some new tires in, um, so that you know that when you roll out of pit lane or for whatever on your first session or race qualifying, whatever it is that you've done all you can to prepare yourself. Yeah. Um, do you? It just do, comes down to the racing then and the riding. Do you race on slicks? Um, no, I'm, I've got super courses in at the minute. Yeah. Because that's uh, that, that's one thing I'm noticing. There's a lot of novices that are just jumping straight onto slicks and they haven't got the pace to keep the heat in those tyres. Yeah, yeah. I tried the it, track day slicks last year on yeah. some track days and things. But I don't know whether it's me or um, or what, but I, I wasn't particularly... I, I didn't feel the difference between them and the super causes. Super no, you know what I mean? No, you a lot of difference in it. You were. It's um, it, it, it's not until you put a proper set of slicks in and you're doing the the, the lap times where you're keeping the heat in the tire that you yeah, would notice yeah. the difference. Um so it's yeah it's that'd be when when you say get decent tires on that'd be my advice to rookies is completely chin off the idea of racing on slicks because you're yeah. just you're just wasting your money. The more expensive than traded tires. Yeah, I mean, go back to tires. For years, I was riding on track on um, Maxis. Yeah, because it's what the local um, garage was selling, and um, they were absolutely shocking looking mm. back. But I didn't know any better, and um, yeah, that's probably the, the number one thing is to change. So I I was at Cadwell Park last week, um, and I was riding on Michelin. Um, Michelin GP, um, what no, Michelin Power GP. Yeah, you Power know, GPs. These tyres don't even come with a hot... Uh, are hot... they just fast road tyres? They? Yeah, they're just fast road yeah. tyres. But I, I, was, I wasn't pushing overly hard because I, I didn't have any crash protection on my bike. It's a completely standard uh, 2016 Honda Fireblade. Um, but... Without pushing overly hard, I was able to drop into the late 140s on those tires. Lovely. Off, uh, that's, I, that's credit to the tires, isn't it? Exactly. I, you're riding, yeah. As a rookie, I genuinely think that you could cut your teeth initially on a set of those tires. Um, and they're like 200 quid cheaper than a set of race tires. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And they're working intermediate weather as well, aren't they? Yeah. Because they're, they're more road based tire. Yeah. Ron Asden were using, uh, what were they using? Bridges. For yeah. Years, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, and I, I honestly think you'd learn more racing on those and getting the absolute maximum out of those tyres before you then move on. Um, that should, from someone that's gone and punted a lot of money off. And I think if I had my time again, that's the way that I'd do it. Yeah. I, um, I changed my rear between qualifying and race one, which I thought mm. that I wasn't getting any grip, but I was a bit hesitant to change because I was like, well, hang on a minute. This is what stockers, you know, stock thousands have been riding on for yeah. forever and ever. And I thought, no, nah, I'm not getting the max out of it. But um, I think it was a confidence thing to change the tyre. Yeah. I was able to push on again in the race. But but J- yeah. Jamie said it a few episodes ago that you don't, you don't know where the limit of the tyres are, do you, Jamie? No. Uh, and... And and I'll be honest, I think if I, if somebody put a set of Diablo superbikes on on a bike and told me to go out and get to the absolute limit, I'd be nowhere close, and I'd probably span myself in the bike trying to find the limit. So yeah. I think winding it back a few notches and putting something like those Power GPs on, racing as a rookie, you're going to learn the limit in a safer environment. 
Um, and then as you progress through the tyres, you're naturally going to get a lot faster. I think it's, even putting even putting the right pressures in, yeah, um, is enough, yeah. isn't it? With I mean, totally did a, a YouTube video, and it was like a I'm sure it was a Donington, like um, I've I've seen the thumbnail for it thing, and he's doing it on a set of Bridgestone road tires, and he's going around Donington faster than me. Yeah, so obviously he, he's able to. He's done he's done the same video on these uh, Michelin power GPS as well. That was what it was. It was, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was Michelin's. Yeah. So he's um he's monetized it now. So you've got to subscribe to his channel to be able to watch it because I, I was interested to watch that and I can't. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, but yeah, it's all good. So what what other what other advice would you give Matt? We've done tires. We've done picking your your club wisely. What about class? Uh, do your research on a class. So. I don't think I've got a lot of choice with my bike, with it being um, a 2004 R6. I've kind of got to go newcomer 600, all that's it, There's, because obviously mm. it's not pre-injection. The issue is I'm taking a bit of a knife to a gunfight yeah. with that 600 class. So, um, you know, the bike's 20 horsepower down at least, 20 kilos over. and I, 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 had, this, I had the same with his 08 blade last year. Yeah, yeah. In the long run, it makes you a better rider, though. I think riding an underpowered, yeah. heavier bike against riders that are on better bikes, it makes you a better rider. It yeah, fucking definitely. it fucking hurts more though when you crash because you, <laughs> you you're pushing beyond where the limits of the bike are or where beyond where your limits are. Yeah, mm. I, I I could I could have gone to Bemsey and done Thunderbike Sport and sort of powered it down if you like or mm. put weight on, but that's not for me. You know, I'd rather ride the bike faster. As it should be, yeah, with um, faster boys, if you like. But I think you know, start on. I would probably, if I had my time again, I'd probably go back to an SV, start mm. on mini twins because again, that keeps the cost down. Yeah, it's a bit more of a level playing field, isn't it, for everybody? Um, would, would you, would you get coaching? Yeah, 100%. So, this, um, this chap that's been helping me out, Martin Buckles, he's um. We've done time on track, yeah, you know, quite a lot of time. And he's turned my riding on on its head, you, you know, like picking out these um brake markers, how to turn a bike properly into a corner, where and when to get on the power, you know, looking for things like surface changes, cambers, all of that sort of thing has has massively flipped the riding on its head. It'll either like the weekend just gone, he was sitting there watching the times on. TSL and telling me, you know, I can go quicker here and yeah, yeah, coaching's definitely worth more than you know, a new set of tyres or yeah. anything else. You, if, you, if you just rely on self-coaching, you can, you can often coach yourself backwards, can't you? Yeah. Um, and coach yeah. yourself into making more mistakes. I tell my go-go around um, the last few times I've been out, so mm. before I'd always have it facing forward with me and then turning the GoPro round, facing behind you and seeing what you're doing and what everybody else is doing in comparison to what you're yeah. doing is really, really, really good. So I've picked up a lot of points on my own riding based on what everybody else is doing yeah. around me. That's helped a lot. Yeah. I, I used to try and get mine as well, looking at the contact patches of the tyres okay. to, see how, to see how the tyres were behaving. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you a lot with the, it and what the, the suspension's the, doing, yeah. 
the the footage was crapping as far as trying to put it on social media and like the old bigging yourself up this is me yeah. on a fast lap type thing but in terms of learning what the bike's doing it would valuable yeah i learned a lot from that get a lap timer yeah so um i've got a aim two lap timer hmm. and again it's comparing like you actually know what you're going out and you're doing on your laps i know lap timings and no no on track days and things but everyone does it don't they hmm. um know what what you do on that lap and what that lap time feels like and it can kind of tell you wait how fast you're going around mm. what corners and you can either compare it to others or compare it to previous laps make yeah. changes lap timers yeah. it's almost like you know when you're grouping a rifle like for those of you, you that was in the in the army and stuff but you've got you've got to be able to get your lap times with consistent within a certain amount of time before yeah, it's yeah. relevant in a way yeah because then you know what you've changed has actually worked. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think, I think lap timers are a bit of a double-edged sword, though, because you can become blinkered by chasing lap times, as opposed to like what you've just said there. You're on about co- getting consistently. So yeah, I do a 104, for example, quite comfortably around Mallory Park. I'm just going to get 104, 104, one, work on that, and get that, and then I'll move to 103. Mm. There's some people who are like, right, I've done a make, make a massive jump, yeah, yeah and it's just yeah. all going to go wrong in it. I, I, want, I want to get under a minute. I want to get under a minute, and then they're just chasing that golden minute. Um, so it's, yeah. It, it take ba- baby steps with it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I suppose there could be other factors at play, couldn't there? Like, you could be chasing a two-minute mm. at Snetterton or, or your 103 at Mallory, and then the weather's slightly different. Yeah. And then you're doing 105s, and you're beating yourself up then, aren't you? Because other things yeah, yeah sometimes it goes against the, same, it, the track's yeah. slightly different do you know what i mean yeah it's, it's weird like when i went testing in spain i've told you a story about my brother losing my lap time haven't i so basically i don't have a lap time anymore because he lost it and when he got it stolen he crashed at Alton park and well actually one of the marshals he thinks picked it up and and went went away with it but yeah so i did like 10 days in in spain without a lap time at all and I was doing everything by feel, like setting my suspension up by feel. And I, I, I knew I was getting faster and I, I was just doing everything by feel because it it was more relevant for me to do that because racing at the TT, it's, you want a nice plush bike. You want it obviously to feel fast and be fast, but I had to have everything feeling good like and myself and the bike feeling good. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was weird. I did 10 days without a single lap time, which in hindsight, I should have. I should have done it and, and made sure that every change I made made me faster, but... Yeah, I needed to make sure I stayed relevant to what my final aim is, and and being comfortable on a on a road track opposed to a a, a race circuit, you know. So I, I think to begin with, going old school and just having someone with a stopwatch on pit wall. Yeah, all that. Yeah, so you're not watching it. Yeah, you don't know. Dra- drag your missus along, or your mate, or whatever. Get them on the pit wall with a stopwatch, and I'd be like, right, I want you to record my lap times, but I don't want to know them unless I start going backwards and then tell me I'm going backwards and then whatever you started doing through feel, you know, actually, no, I should go back the other way. A little bit mm. like us trying to get your mic working earlier, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just operator error. <laughs> so before we go into Jamie's questions, um, so what's, you, you've said like you want to go into um, the F900 Cup uh, eventually. I take it, 
this is a long-term project for you then with it's on the ball and you'd be looking to take Vince with you into that paddock and making it's on the ball a national charity as opposed to a regional one. Yeah, it's just about getting more coverage, I think, for Vince. Um, I think it'd be really, really good to have a it's on the ball bike going round and getting it mentioned on Eurosport and things. I think that'd be wicked. Yeah, yeah definitely. Obviously, yeah, I mean, every mention for us is it's all awareness, you know, whether it's the logo on Matt's bike and, you know, when he does have his GoPro facing the right way, we can see our logo, which is great. But uh, yeah, and anyone that, that sees our, our logo, sees the bike with our name on it, it's all good for us. So yeah. now that Matt's going around the country, you know, to the different circuits, that's spreading the message even further. And, and, and Matt's a really good advocate. He, you know, he's a young, fit, healthy guy doing all this stuff. So it's he's a good advert, really, for us. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I, don't want to make, I don't want to make his head swell any bigger than it is, but there you go. And in, in terms of advice for novices, for guys out there that haven't given one iota thought of testicular cancer, what's your tips for, for those guys about actually checking for this stuff? I'll just, just check regularly. Check. I, I don't know if anyone's seen the video that we made with Matt. In, in that video, Matt says, you will go out on... The one where he's got a really shit tash. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I play when I go and do talks in schools, I play that, and they're all looking at the screen thinking, who is this? Is this looking looking, looking some, for his DBS certificate. Yeah, he's like some <laughs> Swedish porn star or something. But and, uh, yeah, but but on the video, Matt says, you know, he says, you won't go out on circuit without checking your bike. And, yeah. you know, and then he says, well, you, you know, you should go out without checking your balls. You know, you should be doing that. Just once a month, we've had a bath or a shower. You know, you don't need to obsess about it. Um, you know, you uh, yeah, guys, we've got our hands down there all the time. But, you know, it's just once a month. Have, have a good check. And if you find anything at all that's not right, then get, get it checked out. I just I checked know, mine. Yeah, good, and, uh, good man, yeah. Oh, good, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And um, Matt also said to me earlier about when he first, you know, he felt there, there was a bit of an ache or something. Mm. Um, a lot of guys, especially like guys like yourself, might put that down to riding the bike. Um, I, I, I've got, I've got to admit, I've, I've experienced that before, uh, and I've just put it down to like a torsion thing, like turning, mm-hmm. playing football, or running, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I, I read the other week I was a, a professional cyclist. In, I think he was in France or somewhere, um, and he had a pain in his balls for a couple of weeks, and he put it down to the fact that he was starting. You know, the season was starting. He was doing a lot of training. He was on the saddle a lot. Uh, but it was unusual for him. So the alarm bell should have been ringing for him rather than him. Again, going back to telling himself it's it, it's yeah. fine when it, when it might not be. So. It's because he didn't have Tom's essence of nature on his ball bag. For <laughs> 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 sure. So, so, no, it's mega. Right, gents, I'm going to apologise now because I'm going to hand you over to Jamie so you're at his mercy for his questions. Okay. Do you, uh, do you want? Uh, I'll ask the I'll ask the question, and then if we could just go in um, alphabetical. So if Matt answers first, and then and then Vince, is that all right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would be your preferred superpower? Should you have one? Uh, what about a fly? I think that'd be cool. Does that count as a superpower? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think flying yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool, wouldn't it? Just flying about. Like I think that's the coolest superpower. Yeah. I think. Definitely. Yeah. Vince? I, mean, I don't know. It's, it's a good one. I, I think that's still my funding. Perhaps X ray vision would be quite handy at times. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> can have a look for everyone's pants and their balls. Yeah. <laughs> guys do offer to do that when we're around the public. Sometimes uh, my wife had will come out with me and she'll tell them guys all the things. And I said, Well, you could have a check for me then, love. And she says, No, but my husband will. Brilliant. Um, what's the best advice you've ever followed? Um, I've kept that open because I can't ask Vince ever. what's the best ad- racing advice he's ever followed. But if what's the best advice you've, you've ever kind of listened to or followed? That's a tricky one. I wasn't expecting this one. I'd say it's that one we hear a lot about listening twice as much as you you, you talk, you know, mm. you know, don't go off and, and listen and take advice. Yeah. Use your use your ears and mouth in the ratio that they appear yeah, on your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's easy to say now when you're a bit older and you're a bit wiser. When you're a young lad, you think you're God's gift, you know. Mm. So, think, yeah. For me, um, probably don't dwell on things you can't change. I think it's a biggie. Um, yeah. That, that covers racing mm-hmm. as well as normal life as well. Yeah. Doesn't it? That's, that's something I, I struggle with a lot. I dwell on lots of stuff, even if it's stuff I can't change. You, you, you did it the weekend, didn't you? When, yeah. When, when I was Every, messaging you after your race, you were like, time, uh, yeah. it's, I was like, look, mate, it's racing. You, it you, is what you, it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, have you ever ridden, Vince? No, I haven't. No, like I say, I've, I don't know why it's some something I've never done. I've been on the back a couple of times, but that's uh... never got on mine, Vince. Do you do any? Do you do anything kind of um, uh, sports-wise or or um, hobby-wise at all? Um, well, my hobbies, um, I like the photography, I do um, stage lighting for an Amazon group. Um, yeah, so I quite like that. Um, no yeah. offence getting into some motorsport photography and taking some pictures. I'd like to, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, whenever I go see Matt, you know, at the circuit, I'll, I'll take the camera down, but, you know, you, you can't really get beyond the barrier. So. Hmm. i tell you what's just as good, though, is, is the photos in the paddock. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I enjoy them just as yeah. much as, as the, yeah. the, the, the raiding ones. Yeah, yeah. I, not many people do it really, so that's worth getting into, really. I, I actually, yeah. I actually prefer as as far as memories. I prefer yeah. I prefer those pictures. My favourite picture was taken in the assembly area, waiting to go out at Mallory Park in the pissing rain with <laughs> another lad who's unfortunately not racing anymore. It's my favourite racing picture because it just. In black and white, it just captures everything that there is about about racing that I love. Mm. Um, Matt, this is I'm gonna ask this question because I think it's quite fitting. Um, if you got arrested, what would your friends and family assume you'd done? <laughs> um 
probably fighting. Okay. Yeah. Got a temp fighting. got a temper. Yeah, it's a typical, yeah, typical very, guy thing, isn't it? Got very much. Very much got a bit of a bit of a short temper on me. But um I've had to learn to curb it and bring it under control in the last few years for sure. Yeah. Uh what about you, Vince? Uh, it's, it's probably different now that I'm a bit older. I think it was something silly like, you know, some motoring offence or something. But I think when I was younger, it, it would probably be, you know, like you say, it would involve alcohol and being in a bar and getting into a ruckus or something, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. Fight, fight with the rockets outside the bar. <laughs> yeah. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> bop, yeah. And that brings me to my last question. Um. Matt, yeah, kind of porn you're into. Um, Little Woods catalog. Oh, do you remember that when you was growing up as a teenager? <laughs> 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 That'd be the one, wouldn't it? Good answer, that. Good answer. Every, I think every guy can relate to the, the Little Woods catalog or what was that? Um, Kids. Yeah, Rattles, Kays. Rattles or something. Like, yeah. It'd always, always be the, oh, I can see a nipple in that bra. Yeah. Class. You're the dark patch behind them knickers. <laughs> what about you, Vince? Uh, I don't need porn. My wife's 10 years younger than me, so I don't need any of that. Okay. All right. Fucking up. He's a he's a he's a gentleman. I'm not going to argue with that. No. <laughs> we know he's lying. We know he's fucking lying. <laughs> We're all the same deep down, aren't we? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, boys. Class. Cheers, boys. So, Jimmy, have you noticed any? Um, obviously, Vince saying this into photography. Have you seen any? Uh, what, yeah. do, what do we, what did we label them? I can't remember. Um, Shitbag of the week. Shitbag of the week. Yeah. So we've got we've got a thing about people stealing photos and not paying for them. Like, you know, the watermarks ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever Jamie yeah. sees one online. So um we've I've I've I found two. Um one we found in the week, and one I found as we were having some microphone issues earlier. So the first one is a Mr. Steve Stallard. So Steve is from Bristol. He's married um, and he went to the Ridings High School. Um, so you know who you are now. But um, you obviously do not give a shit because your your profile picture on your Facebook page is, and it says, um, do not duplicate Peter Wallman photograph with a No Limits logo in the background. Um, at Donington Park. Um, your background picture is looks like to be at the same event, Donington Park, Peter Wallman photograph, do not duplicate. But someone has commented on your picture saying, buy the photo you type get. So you've been warned um, and you still, you still persist to do it. So you're an absolute shitbag of the week. However, there was... <laughs> Whilst we were logging on, I thought I should probably add this person as a friend and and have a look at what they're up to and get a bit more about them. And we've got one on the 4th of March, 2022. Uh, 
rlphotography.info and it's it's our guest tonight matt no <laughs> matt one ball racing i was gonna say hi everyone a couple of dates for the diaries is a copper as well <laughs> i'll tell you that please he gifted me that photo okay so it's gifted be, at me to be All fair right. I've had a message off a guy called Ross Brady as well. Um, he sent me uh, like a screenshot of a, a messages with someone called David's photo- Photographs. Uh, he's put, hi, mate, how much your photos to purchase? Number 100 in the CB500 class. Thanks, Ross. The message back is, thanks for messaging me. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Cheers, that automated thing. Hi, Ross. Yeah. Here's the file. I don't charge for them. Hope it's okay. So then he's messaged me with that screenshot and put, no charge for the pick, just in case I use it with his name on. <laughs> <laughs> so words clearly getting about. Yeah. I've had a few people mention it to me as well. And it was really nice at the weekend for people to come up to me and and uh, and talk to me about the podcast and who have said that they really enjoy it. Um, it's, it's it's nice when people come up to you and and they appreciate the, the things that you do. So... Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it does make you. it does make it all worthwhile. Yeah. Um, so it's like a shocker fest. Like I've, I've had random people sort of come up to me and, and say, "Oh yeah, we listen to it." I'm like, "Well, you actually listen to us talking." Yeah. <laughs> 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 there was a there was there was a there was a chap at Cadwell Park at the weekend, and he came up to me and he said, "Is it Jamie? Jamie Harris?" And I went, "Yeah." And I thought, "Here we go. I've upset him." And he said, "I listen to the podcast." And I said, "Is that the same thing?" I said, "Do you?" <laughs> yeah I, I love it he said i've listened to every single one he said the, the latest one i was listening to on on the way up here and i said that's brilliant i took a photo and sent it to, yeah, to you yeah. guys and i'm sorry i didn't get this guy's name so if you're listening to this just find me on facebook and send me a little friend request because i thought he was absolutely spot on mate yeah I, I you know what i recognize him i really do i know him from somewhere and i i, I just can't put a name or a location to his face. Yeah, I don't know. He might just have one of those. I, I, he might just have one of those faces that you think you know him. I didn't ask his name, but he was absolute like diamond geezer, absolutely sound. Yeah. So I'd I've not really had in fact no, I have had a few people mention podcasts to me. Uh no one's actually I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to come up and tell me it's shit why it's shit and what they think we should do better. That's the, that's the feedback I'm waiting for. Um, but it's, I don't know. Cause there, there are improvements we can make to it. I know there are. Um, and I think one of the things that we are going to look at doing from the conversations we had before we started recording today is we're going to look at moving recordings to a Tuesday night and yeah. release, releasing the podcast on a Thursday instead of a Friday. So that they're all there, ready to go that people can listen to them on the way to the circuit prior to the day's testing. I think that's one thing we're going to look at. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, right, boys, this has been a blast uh, once again. Um, Vince, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Matt, I wish you all the very best with getting that all-important clubman signature so you can then... Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, boys. Thank you for having us on. No, and uh, honestly, mate, Keep in touch with us. Let us know how you're getting on with that quest to get into the Net F900 Cup. And uh, it, we'd love to have you back on at a later date. Yeah, um, wicked. Uh, and Vince, to yourself, typical REF, slightly late to the party. But thank <laughs> you for joining us tonight. And um, 
yeah, I wish you all the very best for your charity, and thank you very much for uh, for everything that you're doing uh, yeah. for testicular cancer. Because honestly, it's it's not something I ever think about. In um, and you know what, maybe it should be looking see if that pee's there. Yeah, yeah I've enjoyed. Like- Sorry. Yeah, th- thanks for inviting me along. I've, I've, you know, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, typical RAF I'm here with my gin and tonic and my slippers on. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I've, I've really enjoyed the talk tonight, boys. Thanks. Yeah. So if we've not had it confirmed yet, but as far as I'm aware, we've got Sam Cox joining us next week. So we, we're going to be sticking with the whole cancer treatment and getting back into racing theme and yeah i'm pretty sure he's going to add another another dimension another layer onto what we've covered tonight yeah, well, and he'll, he'll, he'll talk really well as, about it as well we, we did do some we have done some interviews with sam but unfortunately they weren't recorded very well so the sound quality is not good hmm. but but <clears throat> sam's story is a bit different to matt's because you know his his treatment was more severe but it's a great story like what i was saying he was treated in the in the february and you know, he's back on circuit in the April or yeah, something. Yeah. Like, yeah, so yeah, good lad. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Right, gents, while I've still got a set of bollocks, I'm going to press stop recording and I'm going to go say hello to my wife for the first time today, um, bearing in mind that it is 20 past nine in the evening now. So, <laughs> um, gents, thank you very much for your time. And uh, to everyone listening to the podcast, thank you very much for your continued support. Continue to like, uh, like subscribe and all that stuff. And um, yeah, keep an eye on our socials because I'm booked onto a track day in uh, at Donington next Wednesday. As it is, my work commitments aren't allowing me to go. Um, my wrist still isn't great. Um, so I might just give that away to somebody, some lucky listener. Um, we'll see. Uh, it'll more than likely be a question that I put on social media related to this episode. So make sure you listen to it in its entirety. And uh, well, if you've heard that, you have listened to it since I was here, so it's a mute comment, really, isn't it? But anyway, that's it. I need my sleep. See you later on, boys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.